Hello, everybody, and welcome to a unique episode of uh, the Without Context podcast. Just being Haley today. Hi, hi. Um, hi. Um, when you are listening to this, uh, you may recall in the past uh, that we had been uploading videos of our actual play from Call of the Netherdeep onto YouTube. Uh, we stopped doing that kind of in protest of Watsi being shitty. Uh, but uh, I still want to talk about the I more than talking about the character or the story or any of that stuff. Uh, today, I want to talk about the characters and the player characters uh, that we had because um, we'll we'll get into it in a bit. But like to to surmise it very briefly here for as random as everyone rolled for everything, we kind of all made it. We kind of made it all work. Um, and I think I I think I want to start there kind of for character creation um because i have with me my my little warlock turned paladin turned some turned healy boy um <laughs> uh Haley played sorn um and that was that was an experience so go oh ahead oh my god talk about some of the let's talk about some of the character creation elements uh when we first started and kind of see how we're going from there yeah sure so sorn of dende viana uh, what we rolled all of our characters using um the like random rolly thing that came heroic with chronicle. the the yeah the heroic chronicle and <laughs> I think which I don't know if I've ever told you this before Deco but I hated the fact that I had to play a dwarf I have only ever played like half elf elf um I was a halfling barbarian in a campaign human. Um, Ophelia was like this wicked hot ASMR, and now I'm stuck with this like dwarf guy, and I was super not happy with it. So when we rolled all of Soren's stuff, well, when I rolled it, mm-hmm. he was a dwarf from Grimgalir, which is in the Empire, but had all of like was consecuted or had like the cons. I no, he had. How did we figure that out again? Like that he was consecuted, but he had a bunch of like dynasty connections in the things that I rolled, and like none of it made any sense. And I was sitting with Charlie, and I believe Echo was on that call too. And we were, I was just trying to hash it. I was like, what if Soren's consecuted and this is one of his like future lives? Like he used to be like a member of dynasty and now is stuck being just some in my opinion like stupid dwarf out in the empire (laughs) so anti-dwarf sentiment here well now that you know that like Haley did not want to play a dwarf that does lend itself into a lot of the like you see turmoil yes so you see that was why i had sorn hate the body that he was in and try like in the beginning of the campaign hiding doing everything he can do to like not look as much like a dwarf like shaving his face like six times a day not eating to the point of being like emaciated so he didn't have like the stocky sort of body type uh because sorn was the last thing sorn remembers being was a drow and then wakes up in this dwarf body like what the fuck um so that's sort of where that root came from was just i didn't want to play a dwarf so his goals were i don't want to look like a dwarf and i eventually want to not be a dwarf anymore so that conversation that you had with uh what was it duck and echo was before you even came to me about what you were playing yep yeah we were all i think i think charlie or duck was rolling kai and Echo was rolling Soleil, like who would become Kai and who would become Soleil. Mm. We were just all in a Discord call doing this together. Be- well, Charlie was walking me through the Heroic Chronicle because yep. I'm, I've been playing D&D since 2018, but I still feel very much like a beginner. <laughs> so I needed help from someone with a lot more expertise to roll a character because I've always just like made one up. Like Ophelia mm. was literally like the healiest healer who ever healed. Um, I don't know if it came out in any of the times we were playing in Sharky's game, but, like, Ophelia literally means helper in, like, Greek. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I, you need a cleric, I'm gonna be the clericiest cleric. And um, that's how Soren became the warlock that he was, because you can't make me not build a healer. 
You can take the you can take the girly out the healer. You can take me out of the cleric, but you can't take the cleric out of me. Uh, cool. So you you started there, um, and I remember when you gave me the stuff that would eventually become Sorn. Um, you're like, hey, take it, look, took my notes. Do they look good? Everything looked great. Um, personally, as a DM, I have a saying that's like, more is more. The more you give me, the more I can, for be- for lack of a better term, spit back out at you. Um, so when we have, uh, so, and truly some of these things were accidental, like, uh, the little cavern when you guys were at the Emerald, uh, loop caravan stop that happened to be, um, Spider Queen affiliated. That was completely yeah. accidental. Yeah. So one thing that was part of Sorn's background, um, for those who don't know me, I am a like enormous, um, Essex Thales girly. Uh, so I know a bit too much about the Kryn dynasty, and when I thought up Sorn, I was like, what would be the most interesting den to have him from? And the only thing we know about Den Deviana in, um, the Wild Mount book is that there's someone amongst them who is secretly working for, uh, the Cult of Spiders, Lolf. And I was like, what if this guy is in that den, but is, like, a devout follower of the Luxon enough to have been consecuted. Like, what a weird dynamic that would be. Like, how much does he know? How much doesn't he know? How does that impact him? So, like, that's why I picked Deviana. Because it would have been too obvious for me to just be like, he's gonna be a Thalys! So, you mentioned that you want you were gonna be a, a, a Thalys girly, or you, you had been considering it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it felt too obvious to make him a Thalys, just as, like, a fucking Essex Thalys simp. So I thought it would provide more fun opportunities for you if he was in Daviana. Because you could lean into, like, Cult of Spiders, or it ended up going the way that it went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, some of my... Let me tap back to my notes. Um, I have so his character sheet up in case we need it. <laughs> the, the, the bullet points that you gave me as you were giving me the sheet is, like, Sorn's part of Dandayvana. They are repugnant traitors. Um, and they kind of... Eventually we worked out that Sorn was like the, the golden boy who is consecuted. Like, look, we can't be bad guys. Look, he's right here. Yep. The, um, the, the red herring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other notes that you gave me were that he was in a skirmish against a Dundalian Empire that eventually cost him his life. Uh, at least in that part, and then uh, woke up a dwarf. Yep, woke uh, up a dwarf. And then eventually ran away from his dwarven home. Well, there was a little bit more to him running away from his dwarven home. For the first, I would say, two-thirds of the campaign, Sorn was under the impression that he had murdered the f- d- family of the dwarf who's bought, like, of his second life. Like, mm-hmm. he, full, especially when you were like, oh yeah, go to Pins and Needles in Ankarel. Um, it's run by what's his fuck Keenhammer, and I'm like, uh-huh. how dare you bring up the Keenhammers? So, um, Sorn, uh, when he was reborn in his new life, was born as Barum Keenhammer, the dwarf guy. Um, so, plagued that kid grew up like plagued with nightmares about being in a war which like made sense because he would have grown up like during the war of what was it like ash and light or the something war of ash and light yeah um but that was not we ended up learning that was not the war that sorn died in lol um old, and years older than he thought he was. the only the only time when barum didn't have nightmares was when he was like outside of anywhere sorn had been which is like the ocean so he became a sailor and uh when sorn's like remembering his memories started because that word is just a a mouthful of fucking vowels um he freaks out he's just sees that he's surrounded by people he perceives as his enemy from when he was a drow and knifed his way out and was fully under the impression he had killed the keenhammers and was carrying that guilt with him the whole time and then you drop that his fucking cousin runs the clothing store (laughs) you're not allowed to have a body count yet Um, and so I added my own little twist to some of these things, um, as, as well, um, 
in that I took a lot of inspiration from like, you know, big families, like, you know, uh, big POC families where, you know, everybody knows everybody. And even your like third cousin down the line, you still maintain some sort of warm friendship with them. Um, and that's kind of how I envisioned the Keen Hammers to be. And so I came up with some rules for uh, of my own for whenever Soren is out in the world. Um, so Soren's oh, family. Oh, God. The Keen Hammers love and trust him implicitly. Aww. The Keen Hammers will always be able to point out Soren, and no amount of non-magical disguises will, will be able to do that. They always knew. Well, he was using, like, disguise self the yeah, first time. and that would work. But... But then like, he dropped it because he got so nervous. But he... Yeah. Him dying his hair and losing... Like, oh my god, you devious little bitch! <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I didn't know that. I like to call it kindred true sight. Oh, that's so... Um, every other family not named... The De- De- Deviana in Soren's presence is going to be nothing but loving, caring, trusting. Uh, there was that really beautiful moment we had in the writing role plays where um, you were looking, you were helping a lost little girl find uh, find their find her mother. Mm-hmm. This mother just this big Olympian mother just came by and just squeezed the life out of Soren. Oh my god, and I loved it was like big muscle mommy and like skinny <laughs> skinny noodle dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> just a guy. I I loved that moment because it it started off like so innocuous for Soren where it's just like, oh there's a lost kid. Like Soren's I like to think Soren's a good person and was like, sure. I'm lost. Like I I'm trying to find my family too. Like I totally get it. Let me help you find yours. And it turns into this moment of just character growth of, like, his family was never like that. And he remembers the Keenhammers being like that. And it was just sort of like, maybe I shouldn't be spending all this energy trying to go back to a family that, like, does not give a shit about me. Because uh, Soren's first goals were to find an artifact or something of value enough to trade with the Dynasty to get his drow body back. Either through, like, and this was me, like, metagaming myself, but, like, Soren obviously didn't know any of these things. Like, whether the magic still existed out there for the spell that, spoilers for Critical Role's campaign, too, that puts um, Not the Brave back to Veth Bernardo, mm-hmm. um, or some other kind of, like, true polymorph. I don't know. That was his plan, was, like, if I find something good enough, I can become my old self, go back with my family and, like, continue my life as it should have been. Um, and I don't think just... you ever... I don't think you're... I don't think Sorn ever saw it, uh, but the magic shop uh, right across from where you guys stayed in Ankara, for the most part, uh, actually did have that... that the Meat Man? From... No, 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 the other one. Uh, oh. The one that Amada went to a lot. Oh! Um, they had a tome from Caleb Whittlegast, and... Inside of that would have been that spell. Oh, wow. That's so funny. <laughs> I just dead. left that there. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, and... That sort of started to go by the wayside between, which I'm sure will go into, like, at length, his relationship with Thermot. And just sort of the relationship with his party has sort of helped him. And just that moment with that family and then his talk with his cousin sort of solidified, like, perhaps I shouldn't be breaking my back for this family that doesn't care. And then when he remembers the truth about what happened with his family, he definitely wasn't going to try and go back. Well, it's also even deeper than that. Like, the, um, when you eventually return to Bazazan, because that's where Sorn kept watch for the most part, like, even meeting the, uh, what's his name, Thalys over there, and seeing, oh, yeah, Varen, uh, and even him being like, "Oh yeah, no, I mean you're not a you're not a soldier anymore, so you're you're good. You're you know you you're that, no longer on duty." That so Sorn took that completely differently than the way you just explained it. I remember in that moment it was just like my heart shattered when he's like, "Oh, you're like you're not a soldier anymore." Sorn took that as like, "We don't want you. You don't belong here." 
And that, like, broke something and sort of just, like, because he wanted so badly just to go back to what he knew after being, Mm. I think part of it was just wanting to go back to what was familiar in a time that's obviously, like, very painful and confusing, and he's having to do it by himself, which isn't part of, like, the culture of the dynasty. You shouldn't be doing that by yourself. It it is, yeah, that's something we learn in Critical Role itself, spoilers for campaign, is that when these people go into this anonymous, um, they have somebody there helping them out. But because uh, we would learn that Soren's family, the surviving family, is in jail, he doesn't really have that, nor would he really have that anyway, because he was the lone consecuted one. Um, yeah. And he kind of died and then came back through a freak accident of, like, a, a beacon just happened to be running around in the background. Yeah, yeah. And... I just, when they were in Bazozan, he was just like, I mean, you remember when he was in front of the fucking... He was so confident. Nightmare engine. Yeah. Just like, I'm finally back to where I belong. I could sort of pick up exactly where I left off. And like, obviously, he was gone for a while. (laughs) Life has moved forward. Time has moved forward. And like, there's no place for him there. And that just sort of wrecks him. And part of him stayed wrecked for a while, and the other part of him was like, well, nothing can hurt me any further than this now, so fuck it, we ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then just, like, being around that family, having that conversation with his cousin, he was just like, perhaps, perhaps I need to reassess my, like, is the Davianas like going back to the Davianas? Is that really? He knows he can't go back to the key neighbors because he thinks he killed them, <laughs> but he wouldn't feel comfortable anyway. <clears throat> but yeah, he's my little conflicted boy. Adore that little dumbass. And I guess we can talk about one of the other elements of Call of the Netherdeep is the rival party. Um, and I think all of them, I think I did a good enough job with all of them to make them like potential romance partners um in in the group partner romance partner partner (laughs) sorry um but uh i think the only one that ever truly really stuck was dermot um because he was just a little guy hanging out with another little guy and they were both followers of the luxon and it was kind of always gonna happen so i made sorn Ironically, because I didn't think he should be romanced because he's got too much going on. And he was originally going to be this sort of like aloof, kind of douchebaggy, like angry, like grumpy, broody, moody dickhead. And hopefully by the end of it, he either like gets his body back and stops being a dickhead or like through the power of friendship stops being an asshole. And this gun I found. And this gun I found. But it was truly, I had to miss the first, uh, the first session, I think, because I had work. Mm -hmm. And so I missed whatever, like, to this day, couldn't tell you what happened in that first session. But you did, you did a text RP where he meets Dermot in the Temple to the Luxon, which is the first time... Sorn's been able to like practice his religion since he died. Mm. And I had every intention of him like not being interested in anybody, but Dermot was so kind to him and like recognized a boundary that Sorn like very unkindly drew. And it was just like it was all over from like that second when it was just like oh, like, you're a normal dwarf. Are you, like... And Soren was just like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? And he just continued to be so nice to him that Soren was just, like, immediately disarmed and was like, I want to become a drow, but I also want anything that this dude wants. (laughs) Anything to make this little guy happy. One of my favorite things about playing Dermot um, as as a character, because he didn't show up super often, but uh, a couple of when he showed up with the because he was more the book tells you to like, you know, only play a couple of characters at a time from the rival party. You have one that's the main one that's talking. And you maybe talk about the other two doing something in the background. Um, but 
because I told you guys from the top this was going to be more dating sim with the looming end of the world thing in the background. Um, I kind of leaned into that a little more and had them all somewhat available. Um, and I tried to have something that each of them was doing. Um, we had, you know, really cute scenes with Irvin and Soleil. Um, and, you know, things like that. I love that. Um, but uh, I think Dermot was the main one who was uh, getting the most attention for the longest time. And I mean, I get it. He's a, he's a little guy. He's from, he's a he's little, he's a little farm boy. Perfect. I see. It's shocking to me. Like, you're like, yeah, he's just like this farm kid. Who's like the last of like, what was it? 12 children. And Soren's like, this is a man of the church of power and prestige. And I must like bend the knee and like show such like deference. He's just like, please don't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Soren's like heir apparent to one of the like main families of the dynasty and is like, a, no, this guy is the cool one. It's it's really interesting to see that dynamic of like, um, you know, Dermot grew up with pretty much nothing and made something of himself. Um, and you kind of your Soren's character, at least when he was a drow, was, you know, the the top of prestige and like you know etiquette and all of this and really the roles being reversed in Sorn's head of like I should prostrate to this per this little guy and but no that's that's not at all at well all. think He's about like, don't do that think about like Sorn growing up so Sorn's family pretty much everyone in Sorn's family except Sorn was a follower of Wolf. And in order to sort of throw the scent off themselves, they were like, they raised Soren to be devoutly into the Luxon. He kind of went harder than they anticipated, but there we go. So when he started to be and sniff around and kind of get an idea that they might be up to something bad, they're like, oh, you know what's the most like Luxon patriotic thing you could do? Join the military. So this guy, who's like, his childhood dream was to be like a poet, like write poetries and be known for poetry joins the military because he's like, it's what I must do for queen and country and gets like a cushy, like I wouldn't say Bazozan is cushy, but during a war, Bazozan was probably a cushy sort of like BS job. Imagine being on the, imagine a, a full on like conflict is breaking out and your station is, Oh no, you got guard duty. Like, yeah, he's got guard duty posting. during a war. Yeah. But so then he finds out, like, he's on, he's home for, like, I imagine it was, like, Kryn Dynasty Thanksgiving or something stupid. Sure. And finds out the truth that, like, oh, my God, my whole family worships Lolf. I need to report this. And lo and behold, he gets transferred to the front outside of what they assumed would be the range of a beacon for him. Like, they just sent him away to be murdered like they sent him away to die and then they could be like oh my god our son was so devout oh my god um braver than the rest of you troops so i imagine the nicest people to soren in his childhood were people from the church so of course he attached really hard <laughs> to the first person from the church that he finds i in my head it's not even that you know I wouldn't say uh, Soren's family was, like, physically abusive, but they were definitely mentally abusive. Oh, my God. Yeah, just... And just, like... Soren the thorn. You are Soren never going pest. to be good enough for us. No, like, even though he was doing everything that his parents told him to do, his sister was somehow still better and more preferred. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there was probably an element of, a, like, hey, I'm your only son. Like, shouldn't you be doing stuff for me? But it was always the sister, so he has, like, an insane inferiority complex because of his twin. Mm. And so, yeah, it, it made sense to me for this kid who probably has, like, a weird meshing of, like, finds comfort and trauma in religion to, la like, hook his train to the first religious person he finds. But I thought it was very interesting because a lot of the times, like, in Critical Role, as far as I know, unless someone's going to tell me differently, nobody has ever been consecuted. Like um, a player none character. Of, none of the player characters have ever been consecuted. Like, they've talked about it. Um, and I think that comes from uh, most of the 
the initial bit of the game taking place in in the dynasty and not the dynasty in the in the empire. empire um and i think like there was like three kids three empire kids and wherever molly mock was from uh and then i think the only the menagerie other one was coast the menagerie coast kids um and i think we had yasha who is from was originally from uh Jorhas, but one of the nomadic tribes in Jorhas, but eventually became orphan maker and and was ousted from her tribe yeah the closest that we've gotten in campaign to like someone of the dynasty is essek mm-hmm. and we don't even like i know essek said he was consecuted but like that bitch is lying that bitch is a lie plus i think because that like probably prior to the war of ash and light that information was kept pretty close to the chest i would imagine so not a lot of information would be known in general. So it was interesting, sort of, I don't know if I felt like I was making it up as we go. <laughs> a little bit. But there's nothing wrong with that, because that's kind of no. how, that's, this is this is our version of Exandria, right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe something that Matthew Mercer does is, is and that's something that I wrote into the, like, the initial, like, buy-in for, for the campaign is like, Abria Iyengar, Brennan Lee Mulligan, you know, Matthew Mercer, they're all great people who write really great versions of Exandria. I am not them. So You're amazing, Decca. Uh so my version of Exandria will be a little different. Um and you know, th- you'll still see the same power players. Like you guys eventually met Jamansa Ord, um, and some of the Kaisa other Kaisa Ord Truther. Kaisa Ord Truther. I don't care. Kaisa Ord <laughs> is is canon to me. It's that we actually made it canon. Really? I missed that. Um, anyway, uh, so as we as we went on, um, and some of the some of the familiar places that we see, like we see uh what's it called, the last stand or whatever it's called, that bar in uh in Bazozan, um we they go there in critical role. So I went and watched that episode where they were there. And kind of like tried to get some inspiration about it, and uh, I ended up still making a completely different bar than they did. It was great. I mean, it was what like a, a, a significant amount of time had passed between campaign two and when call another yeah. takes place. So they could have renovated, they could have remodeled. Canonically, it takes place uh, in like uh, I forget what year exactly it is, but. I I timed up the I ti- I fast forwarded uh our version of Call of the Netherdeep specifically because there was um the weird shit about the war that I didn't want to really click on and I I didn't want to be mid war and I was like nah, yeah no, it, no that, that would have been that would have been really interesting for Sorn if it was a still a war yeah. uh he probably would have made drastically different choices if it was still a war that I think was sort of like the start of Sorn's like individuality awakening was when Dermot's like, you know, the war is over, right? And he's like, what do you mean the war is over? <laughs> There's no such thing as the war being over. It's the Empire. It's really funny when you, when we mention that, too, is because uh, when Soren says, oh, the war's over, and you're like, no, the War of Ash and Light, it, it ended like three years ago. So he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what is What is that? <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, oh, that was a oh. different war. Oh, I mean, I think for a while, Soren was under the impression that whatever war, like, he had to have known, like, how much time had passed, but he just didn't want to accept it. Um, so for a while, he's like, oh, that was the war that I fought in. That's how long that f- war rage was, like, 50, 60 years was that war, or however long mm-hmm. it was. But no, different war. Um. I think so like step one for him kind of breaking out of his like I must become Drow Sorn and pick my life back up where it was left off. Uh step one was hey Sorn the war's over. You, the war is over. You don't have to be a dickhead about Dudemancy <laughs> and the Luxon. Uh two that family reuniting that family and just seeing like they're nice to me and they don't even really know me. That's mm-hmm fucked and they were respectful of his religion like oh my gosh you're following the lex and here's this ring we thought it was neat and i'm like 
there's something to be said here about like these random people like having a trinket to a religion as like a souvenir, but we're not going to get into that. Oh, it's going to colonize. What do you want? Yeah, that's some white people behavior. Um, and then that almost immediate conversation he has with his cousin at Pins and Needles, where he just sort of tells the truth. I was like, I killed your aunt and uncle. And he's like, what are you talking about? They're Literally, fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> and Mom's he's just birthday's like, next month. And he's in there like, I didn't kill them. And he's like, no. And that's sort of when he starts to accept that, like, Barum is always going to be a part of him because he wants to have this relationship with the Keenhammers and he can... Whether it's actually Barum in his head or, like, his significant mental illness in his head that talks to him. Uh, little column A, little column B. <laughs> Uh, he starts to build his own identity as Soren Keenhammer of Dendaviana, which I think was like a very mo- like a bigger moment than I ever anticipated it being. It was just like, hey guys, he's not gonna try and become a drow anymore. We can focus on other things. But everyone's like, oh my god, like it was a lot bigger and deeper and more emotional than I imagined when I was just like RPing that moment of like. He washes out all the hair dye and, like, stops and starts eating food again. <laughs> I don't think you ever mentioned it in-game in that Soren wanted to become a drow. I think you, like, hinted at it a little bit, but you never actually said it. Um, I think was- he was too scared to say that he wanted it in case he couldn't have it. But he would heavily imply it being like, I used to be super tall and hot. Like, especially around Derma, he'd be like, I was super tall and hot when I was a drow. Like, please like me. <laughs> and then I think the, na- the final nail in the coffin of I can never become a drow again was when Dermot said that he liked that they were the same height. And Soren's like, I can never grow. <laughs> Platform shoes? I don't know her. Yeah, it's just like, I... Fuck, fuck being a drow. Fuck it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, set him short. Mm-hmm. Which it was, it is really hilarious. <laughs> so, one of the other things, uh, one of the other times you see the Dermot is in the tournament. Uh, with Arte. Um, Arte was a powerhouse throughout that entire tournament. But Sorn, I. Uh, so, uh, sorry, um, Dermot just keeping keeping uh, keeping Arte at range and being like, no, no, you're blind now. That was uh, so insane, yeah. and I just remember like I was under so much stress mm-hmm. for that fight because I was like, Sora's not gonna know what to do with himself, and like I think that's when his feelings towards Dermot became really real for him. Was like watching him fight his friend and he like obviously he cares deeply about Arte that is his friend but in that moment he's like I'm gonna have like this sucks like I, I no one gets to win in in Soren's mind like no one wins because either right. he sees Arte get the shit kicked out of her or somehow worse Dermot getting the shit kicked out of him and he didn't he cheat uh, like he did he cheated for Arte he helped. I, he. I think you did both. You went. Yeah, you he gave. He gave Dermot a fragment of possibility, which thank God, thank God, Dermot didn't use it because that beacon was corrupted. And he, I think he, he. Oh God, I hope he didn't use. Did he use it? Possibly. Stop. Okay. Hopefully, he didn't get the get the red hands like he did. Um. But he also, I think he did, like, a celestial healing on Arte at one point, which is like... <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm looking back at the battle map that I have for it, and Dermot was at 12 HP, ending that. Sweet baby. Perfect angel boy. Love of Soren's uh, I, life. I think towards the end of that, uh, Arte was, like, not able to hit. And when she did hit, it was like, oh, I'm just doing, like, a piddly amount of damage. Because, like, the first time that she hits him with, like, all, all of her stuff, he's done. <laughs> but just couldn't get it. That was... I loved that tournament arc. Because everyone kind of, like... It was, like, me and Eve were, like, getting snacks and... 
Kai was doing whatever the fuck Kai does, which is just like, be suspicious of everyone around us. And I just remember having so much fun coming up with the different chants for Arte. That was great. <laughs> just based off of chants that I would do like in the in like the supporter section at soccer games and just mm. making them about Arte was so fun. And then it's watching that uh, she's long, she's strong, she'll fuck you right up Arte chant go around Ankarel and like ages later they'd be like oh my god that's Arte she's long she's strong she'll fuck you right up like that was so cool <laughs> you have to imagine like 20 years later like Arte's just walking around Ankarel and there's a little kid that's like she's long she's strong she'll fuck you right up Arte Arte <laughs> that was fun that was a fun thing until it wasn't and then Eve's like swords what's wrong and he's like like I just imagine that whole fight just had that fucking song from Oh my god, Yu-Gi-Oh the movie. Oh god. <laughs> or no, there was the Maybe it's Pokemon the movie where it's like brother, my brother, what are we fighting for? I don't remember oh which god. movie that's from, but it's some like kid movie from the 90s. That was what was in my head, that whole fight. It was a terrible time for Soren. Haley had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that happened uh, during this final arc, uh, as you've already you've committed to being like, all right, I'm, gonna ready, I'm ready to throw this life behind me, ready to move on and do something different. Uh, and part of that, ironically, became turning further into the Luxon by becoming the Redeemer. Oh my god, uh, that was wild. Giving up your ability to talk to your boyfriend. So, so for the for the listeners, Sorn was a warlock, and the whole time, Sorn thought his patron was the Luxon. I had my reservations, but Sorn was like unquestioningly, unerringly, this is the Luxon. Told all of his secrets to the Luxon, like basically used his like Pact of the Tome book as a diary. And he had a page in it where he could do, like, unlimited, unlimited sendings to three people. And, like, of course, Dermot's always on that list. He's got Texas boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And he figures out at some point that, like, it's not the Luxon. It ended up being Alexian. Mm -hmm. But he chooses to let the Luxon help him out of that situation. It becomes a Oath of Redemption Paladin, which was, was such a... Oh my god, like, chills. <laughs> the sword, uh, his old sword from when he was a soldier coming down and, like, spearing the book. And just... Ugh. You read about, like, as someone who's been, like, D&D &D adjacent for a really long time, like, you read about moments in other people's games where they have that moment, and you, like, watch actual plays have that moment, but, like, that was, like the big like oh my god dungeons and dragons moment like i've had two of them now hey. one was in shark one was in sharky's game when my fucking joke of always casting death ward on atticus ended up helping win the campaign by accident when he inevitably and, popped back up oh my god that uh, um and then soren becoming paladin was insane and just sort of cemented like nope he's his own person in charge of his own destiny and fuck fuck den Deviana to an extent and then uh as you go and i think one of the other like beautiful moments that happened was truly like the end where like sorn as who has had carried all this weight and before getting to the final boss of Alexian, who is this tortured soul, like, lashing out at everybody. Spoilers for Call of Another Deep, sorry. Um, uh, as, as, he's, as he's lashing out at everybody, I think it's Sorn who is, like, the one that recognizes, this is just a hurt person. I don't well, deal with hurt people. Well, Sorn saw a, a lot people. of him. Yeah, Sorn saw a lot of himself in Alexian. Just sort of, like going through all the stages of grief after going through it, like, obviously whatever war Sorn was in was not the fucking calamity. Right. Um, but he, he's no stranger to the horrors of war and, like, the guilt that comes with, like, surviving war, just being, like, 
that whole sequence where we were going through Alexian's memories were just so like felt like Soren was taking a walk through his own life, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, stint in Bazozan. Complete with a stint in Bazozan, like the one part that he didn't really understand was like his parents would never have done what Alexian's parents did. He's just like, why are you bitching? Your parents loved you enough to die for you. Like, what's that like? Um, but I just remember when he becomes old man Alexian, there was never, like, there was never a moment in my mind where it was like, we're going to attack this, like, sweet old geezer. It was just, this old geezer needs a goddamn hug. <laughs> that was like, like, Going into that battle, because he got this, like, divine mission to redeem, there was no question in his mind. He's like, I'm going to make sure this guy feels better about himself or die trying, because, like, what's the worst that's going to happen to me? There's a fucking beacon upstairs. (laughs) However it may happen, you know, when a consecuted person dies with a corrupted beacon, for sure. Soren has an intelligence of 10. (laughs) <laughs> that's literally baseline yeah he he's just like you know what it worked before it's gonna work just fine again um so there was he did not i i deliberately in that fight was trying not to take harmful actions until the one that i did but i don't remember if i said out loud i was like i don't want this to be like lethal damage just to kind of knock him out of it. Like, I imagine just, like, hitting with, like, blunt edge or, like, handle just to be, like, snap out of it, my bitch. Like, I need you to listen to me. But he tried not... Because if you look up, like, the tenets of redemption, like, violence is one of the last resorts. Mm-hmm. And Soren, I think he's... It came out when... After the fight with the Aboleth when it kidnapped Dermot... And he just has this mental breakdown of, like, I'm sick of having to fight. He never wanted to fight when he never wanted to be a soldier. He never wanted to fight in war. He never, like, I don't imagine that he really wanted to be an adventurer. Mm. He was just so sick of fighting that when, like, I was looking at the different paladin oaths and, like, redemption was the one that I think I was going to pick anyway. But it was like, violence is, like, your last option. I'm like, that's my boy. (laughs) So I, like, I had on my screen... This screen had roll 20 up, and this screen had his character sheet. It had um, the tenets of Oath of Redemption, and it had, um, I had a list of things of, like, if A, then B, if B, then C, and, like, all these different things, like, me trying to plan. Yeah, I had flow, I had combat flow charts, I had... No, I had non-violent. I had as a last resort violence, and oh, there's no, there's no bartering. There's no like, I can't get through to this guy. We just got to put him down. Flow charts, <laughs> and I stayed with the non-violent one, and it was really like I felt bad because everyone was like doing all this damage, and I'm just in there being like, baby, don't, guy. <laughs> My favorite but, part about that is that you got like your personal channel divinity gives you a bonus to like a plus a bonus a boost to your channel your persuasion checks. That ended up being the thing that did it. Yep, I I did that. Yes, I did that channel divinity emissary of peace, and um, that was the one that I had for the non-violent route. But if he, if I had to go the, like, we gotta just put this dude down, he's too far gone, there's Rebuke the Violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was like, I don't want to use that one. (laughs) So that was, yeah, I think there is something really poetic about, A, the fact that you told us later that we had, like, the easy route through the Netherdeep, and the other party got, like, the shit kicked out of them really badly. And, um... I think if we had gone through getting the shit kicked out of us badly, the fight may have gone differently, but because we got to see his motivations, his past, sort of, like, what made him tick, that's how we were able to end the end the violence with a hug, be the, <laughs> be the Kendall Jenner handing the Pepsi to the cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Because I feel like if the Emerald Pact, especially with Haley and Soren having some kind of feelings about Ao, I don't know if that fight would have gone the same way if the Pact had done it and gone through the meat grinder part of the Nether Deep. Mm. I still, to this day, stand by the fact that I didn't trust Ao the second she's like, I'm super thrilled that I have this spear of a betrayer god and Soren's like, you do not pass the vibe check, my bitch. <laughs> I know you're Dermot's best and oldest friend, and therefore I will give you a hall pass, but know that I'm watching you. <laughs> and then of like, you should keep an eye on Ao, and then dropping like, you know Ao's a good person, and Soren's like, of course, I'm so sorry. That haunts him. That haunts him to this day. He thinks Good. about where he's like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be brave and be like, maybe you should keep an eye on your friend that has this cursed artifact. She's a good person. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> She's one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Um and well, and that's also like Rich coming from your party who has Eve with another art one of those artifacts. Yeah, but Eve literally, like... <laughs> oh, Eve for sure. Is, yeah, I feel like Eve with the mace, which Lindsay can speak to Eve with the mace, but from the outside, it seemed like Eve was never, like, picking up with the mace put down, versus Ao was like, give me all the things you're putting down. Storm was not a big fan. I mean, he hated that Eve had the mace, too, but... He knew there was no reasoning with Eve. <laughs> well, Eve also, like, she, through sheer willpower, turned the devil into, like, being like, eh, maybe things are okay. Yeah, because that's fucking Eve. <laughs> Expertise in persuasion. And I mean, Sorn, Sorn said that Eve was the best of us, like, multiple times, because <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like, all of us here suck, except for Eve, and, like, <laughs> Eve's the best of us. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then eventually we end the game uh, as uh, Sorn ends it with the hug, the candle like, gender handing, handing the Pepsi, uh, and we go into our epilogues uh, with Sorn live, growing old several times with Dermot. Um, but They're gonna be it's... together until being consecuted makes crazy. And they'll still be that together. Happens in, in eventually. <laughs> they'll sit there and they'll be like, What are you talking about, old man sword? She's long and strong and she'll fuck you up. Archie! <laughs> they'll be like, Sure, Grandpa! <laughs> Get you back to bed. <laughs> um, I know we had talked about this, but I just want it on record. Sure. Um, as we were sort of going real into the weeds on, like, looks and faith and stuff. And this is a direct appeal to Matthew Mercer. Hey, Matt, did you make fucking fantasy Scientology? Because it feels like you made fantasy Scientology. Because you create this, like, artifact that's, like, a totem that helps people, like, their soul come back into a new body and that that's a thing that happens in Scientology, apparently. So I would love, like, I feel like if I ever get the opportunity to meet Matt Mercer, I'm only going to have one question. That's going to be, did you mean to invent fantasy Scientology when you did the Lux and Faith? And does that mean that I'm accidentally created my favorite D&D character that's in like a weird fucked up cult? Actually, no, like, this, this, is, uh, this is producer Sharky talking right now. I can make that a short and like tag him in it on Twitter. Like I can, I can, oh my God, please. I can tag him on Twitter with just that clip there if you want me to. Oh my God, do it. Editor's note. Tag, tag me in it too so I see it. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it was like, oh, you have one cult or the other cult? I... I saw a, I saw this, this frame of thought came up because I saw a TikTok about this girl who's like deconstructing from Scientology and she's like, oh, when my dad, like as my dad was dying, we were talking about how like, what item is he supposed to like remember in his next life so that we know it's him. And I'm watching this video and I'm like, 
oh my god, this sounds like the Faith of the Luxon. And I mess. I think I messaged you like immediately, Decker. I sent you the TikTok. You did. It was like, is Sword a Scientologist? The I, I remember him talking about like the esotericisms of like you know the 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 spirit versus the body and like moving on to another body and stuff like that. Um, but you know, sometimes someone's already done it. Unfortunately. Yeah, I that's one thing that's always like I would love Matt's input on like what happens to the personality that was developing before the soul sort of starts remembering cuz like having like Soren struggles with the fact that like he stole Barum's life. To Soren, he feels like he stole Barum's life. Like Barum had friends he was like he had a job he had a life he family friends people he may or may not have been in relationships with i think barum's canonically kind of a slut which we love for him um good for him uh and then soren wakes up and barum's just gone and whether the barum in soren's head is just like a manifestation of soren's guilt or like actually barum in there I would love Matt's take on it because I tried to have it be a question of whether, like, is Barum really in Soren's head or is it just Soren needing an outlet for the guilt of, like, I may not have killed my parents, but I definitely killed their son. <laughs> well, and you have to remember, they didn't, uh, most people when they enter an anonymous is usually around their teens or so. Soren didn't have, or Barum didn't have that. Because Soren was still trapped with with Alexian until it was time for him to pop out, and then Alexian's like, "Okay, you're up now. Go." Oh, that's that's why when he tried diving deep enough into his memories, it was just red because he was like in a basket with Alexian. Mm-hmm. He just kept his soul in a basket. It was in the Alexian basket. He's just like. So Soren's soul went into unborn baby Keenhammer at moment of birth, according to the scriptures of the Luxon and me being a Catholic. And, well, former Catholic. And um but Alexian said, No no, you stay asleep, little idiot, until everyone then, else in your party is ready for you. And then ever and then, you know, everyone up. Because dwarves are the longest lived out of everyone there, except maybe Arte, an entity who is lasts the longest. You know how you said in the game mm-hmm. that like he made Alexian made two groups of people, one to redeem him and one to end him. Mm-hmm. It just clicked that we were set up for the redemption the whole time. Because of how we were doing things. And then I was like, I think that they would have killed him because they went through the meat grinder and that was by design. And I'm just yeah, getting like, it now on camera. <laughs> like I'm some kind of storyteller or something. It's like you're some kind of storyteller or something. Yeah, so those are... And like, I can't take full credit for that. I'm just making it make sense on, on the paper. Like the paper tells me, this is what happens when you go here, 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 and here. Um, but I, I just make sense of it, and that's how I made sense of it, of like, okay, there's two divergent pathways at this point. You can go this way, or you can go to this hidden door that just opened up, and you guys took the hidden door because of course you did. It's a hidden door! It screams, go this way! That way probably uh-huh. is boring and stupid. It wasn't. It was much more deadly. Yeah, we picked the right door. I think the only thing that I feel is like an, a loose end for Sorn, um... Sure. I would have loved more time role-playing with his family when he found them, like, when he goes to them in jail. I would have loved, like, a longer, more nuanced conversation with his mother of just, like, so, like, how did you think this was going to work out? Like, now that I'm here... What was your big plan there? Like, I want... I would have loved just for, like, for Sorn. Not, like, I don't think Sorn needs it. I just wanted it. Of, like, Soren sitting cross-legged in, like, a really nice chair. The Captain America pose. So. 
So, um... You tried to have me killed. Surprise, bitch. You really you thought... thought... you'd seen the last of me. Yeah, surprise, bitch! You thought you'd seen the last of me! Rolls in... I mean, I know you said that, like, one of his... Like, the guard was like, Hey, Mother, Ke- Mother Dave Yana, uh, your son Soren is still alive, and she just, like, screams in rage that he's still alive. Which, like, what a horrible thing for a mother to be upset that her child is still alive. That's horrible. Uh-huh. Um, I would have just loved the opportunity for him to have, like, a conversation of, like, where did you think, how did you think this was going to end up? Like, you're working for Lolf. Like, isn't she, like, the queen of actual lying? Like, did you, what the, where the fuck are you going with this, mom? Like, I have this great life now, and let me tell you all about it. Like, it would have been fun for me, but. I don't, I don't think you get anything out of her that you didn't already find out through, you know, outside sources. Um, I think literally as you're going around and redeeming people as an Oath of Redemption Paladin, you also have to cut those ties of those people who are not gonna... And it's funny that we're doing this today after Thanksgiving, because it's a toxic family thing of, like, you gotta cut those people out. I do love that you said he never gets through to his mother. He never advocates for her execution, um, because he has too much fun, like, going to her cell and, like, reading from the Luxon Bible to her, because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gets through to his sister. Yeah. And they sort of, like, heal together, because, like, she's as much of a victim as Sorn. They're just opposite sides of the same coin, where, like... It's hard to he- see being a victim when you're, like, given all the first place trophies. Yeah, but she still, like, had to sell out her brother. She's still, like, at least in Soren's eyes, she's a victim because she got inducted into a cult without really having a choice. Like, it could have easily, the roles could have easily been reversed, where it could have been he was the golden child and she was the one cast out, and he's just like, she's been through shit just as I have. Like, she's in this jail cell because mom and dad and whoever else put her there. Whether she, like, made choices on her own, I don't know. But he didn't give up on his sister, even though she was a total bitch. <laughs> I love you'll that. Always, you'll always have that sibling rivalry. You just, it won't be as pointed as it used to be. Yeah, it won't be like, I'm gonna, like, I fantasize about killing you in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which is a real thing. I also love that when we were fighting the Avalith, when it, kidnapped Dermot, which chef's kiss beautiful because he's like when he's asking for the map when we were stuck in the desert and the only role I had was religion that I was proficient in because he has not very helpful proficiencies when like trying to find one's way through a desert Mm -hmm. and trading the information of like why do you want to help Ao so badly and he thinks about Dermot and then now the Aboleth slash Elixian knew that Dermot was very important to him and is like a last-ditch effort to whatever the Aboleth wanted to do, takes Dermot and Soren goes fucking sicko mode. <laughs> Having, yeah. when, he, when he made that, I don't know if it was a wisdom save or what save it was, and turned into the sister of, like, Soren the Thorn and, like, seeing his perfect sister and him just being like, fuck you. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it had turned into himself or his mom, it would not have been good. It was but it was a choice. It would have been neat, like, in retrospect. I don't know if he, he, I think at that point Dermot had told him, like, I like that you're small like me. Like, we can meet each other on equal ground or whatever. Which Soren took literally, which I don't know if Dermot meant it literally, but Soren took it literally. Um, I think it would have been a powerful moment of, like, letting go of the drow so that he could be the dwarf if that had happened that would have been a cool moment but it was still fun getting him to be like try again bitch i already killed my sister in my dreams the other day (laughs) yeah um but yeah that was like it was really cool to play a character or to help play a character i play a character very similarly um 
and he becomes an NPC on a lot of a lot of, of my other games where he's it's not quite consecution because we're not playing in Exandria, but it's it's similar in that he is reincarnated over and over and over to fight this great evil. Um, him and his best friend and uh, some of the other people are and the descendants of this party that fought this uh, great evil, you know, centuries ago comes back over and over and over and over and over again to keep doing this. And this time, this is the one that's finally going to do it. Fingers crossed. Um, but, you know, it, he he has full faculties when he comes back. Um, but he he's just he just keeps coming back and keeps trying to fight this evil. And I don't think it's really come into his mind of like. What happens after? Because he hasn't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. So I think having I think having I took some inspiration from that character as well. And some of the. Some of the things that I think if I was DMing that character, I would if I was DMing my own character, uh, those are some of the story beats I would take with with him of like, well, what happens after? Um, And uh, I think he just dies. I think he just goes and goes somewhere and dies because he's like, all right, I'm all done. Like a like like a like a like a sick cat or something. He just like goes in the closet and dies. Yeah, he just goes in the closet and he's like, my work here is done. Stops breathing. Meanwhile, like, Sorn for me, it was like, his life got to actually, like, begin when the adventure was over, versus, like, he was able to, like, forge a new life for himself and with Dermot, and I still, point of pride, I know Tasha wanted it so bad, but Sorn and uh, Dermot never even kissed in the game. Got real close. Got real close, but Sorn... Uh, probably has never done that with anyone before because he was just a good Catholic boy. <laughs> yep. Good Catholic boy, and then was like a good Catholic soldier. Didn't have time for such things. <laughs> now he does. Now he's got yep. nothing but time. I would also have loved the conversation with his mom and being like, and this is my boyfriend. A fucking farm boy from a city that didn't even exist the last time I was alive. And he's going to be heading Dave, Dave Yana with me. Suck my dick forever, mom. What a great way to end this. <laughs> Suck my dick forever, mom. That's sword. Suck my dick forever, mom. <laughs> uh, but, I, uh, but I did love, I, I love all these themes of like cutting the toxic people out of your life or tormenting them. Well, you know, whatever, whichever you want to do. Um, and, uh, those themes, I think, resonated not just with, uh, clearly resonated with you, but also deeply resonated with me on, on a personal level. So I am appreciative that we got to work through that together. Same. It was very healing being sworn. And I, mm-hmm. I literally cannot listen to Sleep Token without thinking of my good boy. <laughs> That's his album. <laughs> but I think... I think we got there with the point that I originally envisioned when I when I was like, "Hey, let's talk about Sorn." Um, yep. We we talked about consecution and what my my uh what our version of that looked like because we like I said we never had a PC out there like I made I custom made a lineage specifically for Sorn um, before Tasha's came out with their custom lineages I. Made I made one specifically for the like, the the drow features taking over, and I took a lot of inspiration from like character bleed, with that, because a lot of a lot of those things just kind of unlock when you're well. Like I play a rogue, and sometimes I feel like I can just be just a little more stealthy when I walk around, when I play my rogue, or I get a little better at talking because he's such a fast talker and stuff like that. So I took inspiration from that, and that's why you ended up having suddenly having dark vision. Or a longer dark vision to like represent that, and then you had a weapon proficiency to like represent that as well, um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just like picking up those old skill, old skills that you already had, just kind of unlocking them back in your the synapses firing again. Oh yeah, like I imagine if he had classes in his last life, he would have been a fighter, and before he sort of like got his shit back together, he was a warlock. Like he wouldn't have had fucking magic outside of racial magic when he was a fighter and then he remembers that he was a fighter and he immediately is just like i see your eldritch blast but i raise you a fucking divine smite (laughs) yeah um and so i thought i thought some of that was really cool 
taking that inspiration from character play and stuff like that. But I think that's a good point. Uh, start uh, dropping off point for sure. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, uh, that I that was probably playing in that game, like that campaign was like. I feel the most fun I've ever had playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I know I've said this to you offline, but like I will play in any game, whatever you run, whether it's D and D or vampire or any of these other games that I don't know what the names of, but you just be like, I'm running a game. And I'll be like, bitch, I'm there. <laughs> Send me the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll end there with that glowing review. I appreciate that. Um, this has been, Without Context Podcast. Uh, Matt, if you're watching this, hi. I don't know. Why did Thanks you make fantasy Scientology? Thanks for Exandria, I think. I think that's what I have to say here. Um, Why did but... you make fantasy Scientology? Why? <laughs> we'll have all of this. our links. We'll have all of our links, as always, on the bottom. Uh, you can click them to find out more about all of our neat going-ons, if any. Um, we have all of our other things, you know, check out our, our Spotify or wherever you may be listening to this. We are appreciative of that. Um, and I think there's something that plays at the end of this, so I don't have to go too far in depth about that after that. So without any further ado, this was, this is Anxiety Lasagna. I'm Decca. See you later. Why'd you make Fantasy Scientology, Matt? Why? It's the worst. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Without Context Podcast. If you want more content, please follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at WC Network. If you want updates on the show, follow us on our Twitter at WC Pod Network. Additionally, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Without Context Podcast.